going to scream into this thing. Yes, do. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wacky-ass hijinks, alcoholism, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. We've had some sound issues, as you guys know. Uh, recording outside is an issue, and uh, now our backyard studio has been screwed because of more rain, so we've developed a new uh, technique where one person leans in and the other person leans back so we don't give each other COVID. And then when the other person talks, the other person leans in, the other person leans back. So we'll see how it's going to work out for us. But <laughs> before you lean in, Greg, <laughs> which is also nice because it cuts you off from cutting me off, which is very fair. Um, we didn't think we were going to get this one in at all. But we have. It's officially a Braves off day now with the Braves getting rained out tonight in their rubber match against the Washington Nationals. So let's get a current podcast out there, Graham, and see what kind of content we can do. It's nice being up to date, Adam. I gotta say, normally when we release a podcast, like two or three things happen that it's like, fuck, I wish we could have, you know, talked about that on the show. But this gives us the benefit to not only talk about the Braves, but also some interesting Falcons news that's been going on with a continuation of the Vic Beasley story. Yeah, I've also, we're just, we're just both very annoyed by intern Jared just disappearing on us and just making our technical life terrible. Like, we've been screwing with this damn computer for the last hour and a half. I feel worked up already and we're just getting started. I haven't even gotten into your terrible takes about how much the Braves suck yet uh, to get me even more amped up. But, Graham, whenever you're ready for that, I'm ready to hear your thoughts and opinions. Well, you know division winners just or division leaders just suck at them. There's no way around it. No matter what they do, no matter how many times they score four runs in the ninth inning to walk off a game against their rival Washington Nationals, they still just fucking suck, and I'm going to stick by that till the day I die. Is that your first take of the night? It was a joke. Okay. All right, so on a serious note, should we start off with our stat corrections that were requested for the last episodes? Yes, let's start off with these stat corrections. There were two of them, weren't there? Well, the first one was about, was it Sam bringing it up? I think he had a legitimate one. Okay. Uh, maybe. I'll, I'll let you take this one. I'll take the next one. All right. So we had two things that people were upset about. User Sam Crochet. Yeah, user Sam Crochet. We thank him as a loyal user for a long time now. Called me out personally and says he deserves full credit. I'm going to give him half credit, like I said. He said, and this is from user Sam, Graham, consider admitting a statistical error in gaffe and judgment from your recent episode. Gurley has averaged 43 catches per year since coming into the league. Freeman has averaged 42. I was pretty sure Todd... Always has always been a great ball catcher out of the backfield. So your remarks about him not being multidimensional and Freeman being multidimensional really stood out to me. First off, I'll say this to Sam. It's interesting that he brings this up now when I made this point about four or five months ago when we got Gurley about how Freeman was the better receiver last year and Gurley was not. Now, the way I talked about it was that this is all-encompassing. I was trying to only reference last year's statistics, 
and I will repeat this now. Last year's statistics, Todd Gurley had 31 receptions, 207 yards, and two touchdowns. Devontae, 59 receptions, 410 yards, and four touchdowns. So, obviously, Devontae had more receptions, but he also had more targets. When you look at their average per average yards per reception, they were pretty even. It was like 6.9 versus 6.7 or something like that. When you look back on Todd Gurley, particularly in the 2017 season, he had like 880 yards receiving on top of like 15, 1,600 yards rushing. So he does have the ability to be multidimensional. I was short-sighted. I will admit fault, but I will also say that because I know there are a lot of Matt Ryan haters out there. Let's see how good Matt Ryan maybe can make Todd Gurley as receiving back this year out of the Atlanta backfield. As we know, he has a pension to do that with other players, other receivers, running backs, etc. So is that the end of your stat correction there, Graham? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of blame myself, Sam, because I kind of had your same thoughts that Todd Gurley is more multidimensional than Graham was giving him credit for. Uh, Graham acted like he was just Michael Turner that's just a lumbering guy in the backfield that you just hand the ball to and that's it. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out. Now, we go on to user Hugo, which is an entirely different story. And I'm curious if Graham has any opinion on this at all. I need this information like my head needs a noose. I don't really care about this whole, uh, especially with like 35 plus games left in the year. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of articles written once we get down to the wire, right, about who's going to get into the playoffs in this bastardized season based off winning percentage or not based off winning percentage. User Hugo had issues about, what was it, uh, if things are really determined by or if the division is really determined by winning percentage this year or what, I don't fucking know. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I, I got the sense that no one cared, but we got called out for being wrong. So instead of just accepting that, I had to, you know, double check. We're not all about being correct on this podcast generally. But if we get called out, then, you know, you got to check it out. So he claims, user Hugo claimed that me stating last week that should, because we were talking about the Cardinals and how they've only played like six games. So basically, they might not make it to 60 games. And that's why the MLB commissioner has come out and said that it's going to be based on winning percentage. User Hugo referenced a picture from the San Diego newspaper, I don't know, Tribune probably? Remember we read that uh, every day when we were kidnapped in San Diego two years ago by Easter Hugo. It's pretty pretty much a rag newspaper. Yeah, I, I mean, I think whoever writes their sports section has the same credibility that this podcast has. They were writing about how Tiger Woods is a loser, and one of their, like, uh, their Jeff Schultz's, you know, their version of Jeff Schultz is writing about how Tiger Woods is a loser and needs to retire and how he's, like, doesn't want to hear about Tiger anymore. That says all I need to know about the... Uh, San Diego Tribune. Yeah, they're losers. They don't know what they're talking about. So their standings showed the Braves in front of the Marlins and the Marlins a half game back despite the Marlins having a better winning percentage. So this was the only source that user Hugo had to make his argument that 
Atlanta Zone, a professional sports podcast of the highest quality and sound and production. That we got it wrong, and he claims that it's not based on winning percentage. Marlins were in second with the highest winning percentage at one point. Wins add half a game. Losses subtract. Please correct on Yankees series recap podcast. So I went to every source that I could find. So there was the first source that was 680 The Fan, where I had initially heard that it's winning percentage. Uh, ESPN told me. The office of the commissioner told me. Uh, the like St. Louis Tribune told me. And then I even saw standings from the same day that had the opposite of what the San Diego paper showed. And they had the Marlins in first place despite being a half game back of the Braves. So at this point, I'm like, well, that's confusing. What the hell does that mean? So the team at first was a half game back. And then I sent a tweet out to at Braves America, which is Dayton from Nebraska, who had originally posted the standing showing the Braves in second place, despite being ahead by half a game. And he states that MLB has said games ahead slash behind don't matter for 2020 as teams won't play the same number of games, going strictly off winning percentage. So I will not issue a stats correction because we were correct. And should we start the show now? Yeah, let's actually get into talking about what's going on at Atlanta Sports. You just wasted 30 minutes of our time, Hugo. Thank you. <laughs> you can blame Hugo for that one. Users. Right. Um, a lot of things happening, Adam. Where do you want to begin? Do you want to talk about Vic Beasley some more? Do you want to no, jump let's, into let's, the, let's Braves? the Braves? All let's right. start with the Braves. This Vic Beasley thing is kind of like a... Uh, it's like a, a, a shitty carnival you pass on the street pre-COVID. You know, that's just traveling into town for the weekend or a couple weekends. And so we're starting with Falcons? No, I'm just saying, like, that's how the Vic Beasley thing is. It's just like you see it, you're just like, eh, okay, fine. Maybe I'll go, but I don't really want to. Right. Um, whereas the Braves, I don't really know what the appropriate metaphor or comparison is to them right now. But I do know they're still in first place in the NL East, Adam. Is that based off winning percentage or games? It's based off whatever whatever you said just now. Winning percentage. Winning percentage, yes. yes. And Jed doesn't like that, do you, buddy? With the Braves, we're still in first place in the NL East. We're coming off a... being swept by the Yankees. Two-game two sweep. In a two-game sweep. And then taking two or three from Miami. In pretty decisive fashion, I would say, particularly in the, sec uh, the second and third game. And we are currently split with the Washington Nationals at 1-1. One -to -one. Tonight's game on August 19th has been rained out. Uh, I don't think it's been revealed whether or not or when that will be played, uh, the, that third game will be made up. It's going to be a doubleheader on September 4th, Graham. September oh, 4th. wow. Very exciting. So two seven-inning games. Fuck that. Anyway. But we're still in first place at like 14 and 11. So I think all things considered with where this team is in terms of their injuries and in terms of how just awful the starting rotation is, they're still doing okay. They're treading water, hoping for the return of Ozzie Albies, hoping, hoping for the return of Ronald Acuna, hoping for an appearance or two from Cole Hamels. Um but I think that this team's these, this team's issues has been magnified um, over the course of the last couple of weeks 
in terms of the bottom of the order, Enciarte, Austin Riley, Johan Camargo not performing up to expectations. Although, in the August 18th game against the Nationals, all three guys performed pretty well. I'm not going to overreact to one game, though. Uh, the bottom of the order is is a travesty, and and your Enciarte in particular needs to be benched. A couple notes on that, Graham. I agree. They have been horrific for the most part, and I'm yeah, I'm not going to say anything about Ender. Besides, it's pretty hilarious that his first decent game is the game that Pache gets called up to the majors. And then Ender's like, holy shit, I guess I need to hit or there's a possibility that I lose my job. Well, what I Everyone still squawks about Ender's defense, and it's gone downhill. There's no doubt about it. Like, that game yesterday, August 18th, the worst outfield defense I've seen at trio out there. Osuna, I see why people talked about his defense all the time. There's a lot of issues. I actually looked into the stats today on Ozuna, and I got some stuff for you, Adam, yeah, on that. So, Ozuna looked terrible in right. Duvall slipped a couple times and left. And like, I mean, Ender is just, he's not as good as he was two, three years ago. But anyway, so I'm hoping Pache can overtake Ender. Uh, Camargo, I'm the biggest guy on the Johan Camargo hate train right now. Uh, his defense has also slipped as well. He used to be so sure-handed. He he made a couple of, I mean, not a couple of errors, but he made an error at second base last night. He hasn't been as sure-handed. There's issues there, and as bad, he just looks lost. The guy can't hit a breaking pitch to save his life. And he's not because of that, he's not catching up to fastballs. But Austin Riley, I still have hope for him. He has been looking better the last few games. He is laying off that slider in the dirt again, and he's catching up to fastballs again. Um, got robbed of a home run yesterday. And he hit one yesterday as well. He could have had two homers. Uh, he hit one two days ago. I thought he hit one last night, too. No. Oh, well, he, he made some... He got on base a few times. He got a couple of hits yeah, last night. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he is showing promise. Right. right. You can tell he's made some adjustments, so let's not give up on Austin Riley. And let's think about two, about uh, Austin Riley's exit velocity recently. A lot of people put stock into exit velocity in terms of how hard you're hitting the ball. You'd rather have a guy hitting the ball 100-plus miles an hour than Inter Inciarte hitting the ball, you know, 89, 90 miles an hour off the bat. So when Riley hit a single last night, it came off the bat at 106.3 miles per hour. And his home run that he should have hit last night that was robbed by Robles in center was at 103 miles an hour. And these were all fastballs. And entering this game, Riley was hitting 3-for-31 against fastballs during the season. And this is also really telling in terms of how shitty his batting average was and how he didn't struggle against fastballs last year, which I think also supports the argument you made last week, Adam, in the sense that Austin Riley um, was thinking so much about the slider and about the off-speed pitch in the dirt or the curveball in the dirt that he, now he's not able to hit fastballs even. Uh, yeah, 3-for-31 hitting 097 against fastballs coming in that game. But last night it looked a lot better. Maybe he's turning a corner. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say he is, but it was encouraging to see that. Uh, whereas Ender, out of nowhere, he, you know, we've seen a couple of things from Riley over the last week or so. Ender, out of nowhere, goes three for three with a walk last – even drew a walk last yeah, he, night. like, he had some good at-bats too, man. Like, I, I don't know. He's – like, he had – even before last night, he had, like, a 10-pitch at-bat out of nowhere. And it's like, wait, that's the Ender of old. Where, where's this guy come from? But when he does – when Ender hits a single, it's like – 
a 54-year-old man in a beer league softball single. Like, it's it's not 106 miles no, per hour. No, it's not hit with any authority at all. It's I, I don't know what his exit velocity is, but it's I'm sure it's pretty poor. But, uh, yeah, I mean, clearly, and if his defense is slacking, I mean, he, he has a spot right now because, you know, Marcakis is on the I.L., Acuna's out. We're down two of our best outfielders, basically. And Marcakis is on the I.L., for those that don't know, due to maybe coming in contact with someone who had COVID. So as a precautionary measure, he tested negative, but as a precautionary measure, he's been put on the I.L. So he's out for at least 10 days. No, that's, that's Is that wrong. bullshit? That's bullshit. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> the, Great. Uh, so we're, we're going to do a stat correction mid-podcast. Great. Uh, the COVID IL, there's no minimum amount of time. So there he, is no, okay. So he, I didn't know there's just, oh yeah, they're right. You're right. There's yeah. a separate so IL So he, he's COVID. tested negative, so he could be, well be back tomorrow. Maybe. Okay, good. So, but I, you know, I think this speaks to a larger issue with this team right now in terms of the multitude of holes that are on it. It's time to see what we got with the youth movement and the pitching staff and also positional and the positional players. I want to see Christian Pache. I want to see Waters, Drew Waters. Like, fuck it at this point, you know? This is such a weird season. you got to see what's going to be in your future when you actually have a season that is a full, a full year. Because, like, the thing is, it's just like, with our rotation right now, what's your rotation next year? Like, Mike Soroka is probably not going to be back by the time spring training happens, I don't think. So, like, right now, pretty much all you got is Freed. Cole Hamlin's on a one-year deal. He's probably not, he might not throw a pitch this year. He's gone. So, it's like, let's see what we got with Ian Anderson, Dave, uh, Tucker Davidson, guys like that. Let's see what we got with Waters and Pache. I'm glad Pache was called up, but he should have been called up a long time ago. I'm getting really sick of hanging on to these loser veterans like Ender Enciarte and guys like that, of that ilk. And um, throwing Kyle Wright out there again, you know, it's just like, let's see guys we haven't seen yet at the major league level and see what they got. It's an odd season. I mean, the fucking Orioles, who were projected to not even win 10 games, have already won 11 games this year. This shit is crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? And honestly, if you're going to sit here and tell me that the Braves have a fucking chance against the Dodgers this year or someone of that ilk, you're deluding yourself. So let's see what what guys at the minor league level have at this point. I think this is a time for experimentation. Weird shit. Let's mix LSD with Coke, with alcohol, and let's get weird. You do realize Kyle Wright's still a young guy, right, Graham? He's the type of guy you want to see out there, right? I realize he's a young guy, but I also feel like, even though I know he hasn't made that many starts, I feel like I kind of get the idea of what he is at this point, and I'd rather see somebody... That I haven't seen yet to at least get, you know, to see if there's anyone else out there. Because every time we throw Kyle Wright out there, it doesn't seem to go too well. Same thing with Bryce Wilson. Well, Bryce Wilson hasn't gotten a start, which is kind of unfair to him. Uh, Tukey is on the down and out again. He's had Seven back- walks in, what, three innings last, yeah, the other night? Ridiculous. Or six walks. He looked off. Right, that, that, well, that's let's talk, let's talk about a positive. You know what? Oscar, you know, really pitched his ass off. He like, looked totally different than his previous start. This guy... He, but, I don't know. It's just like, that. I still don't know what to... Like, I'd rather see him than see Kyle Wright again. I don't know anything about Yanoa. Dude, you you hate Kyle Wright like I hate Johan Camargo, it seems like. Like, Kyle Wright, I mean, remember that start where he, like, was lights out through three innings, then he hits the fourth inning and he can't figure it out? 
Like, the stuff is there, man. Like, the he, stuff is there, but I think this also brings up a larger perspective of, and this is something we didn't talk about last week, but Lucas Sims, who's succeeding with the Reds right now as a reliever, even though we, we groomed him as a starter, but as a reliever, he's done really well this year. Has, like, a sub-2 ERA, pitched really well, and he calls out the Braves on Twitter pretty much when a fan asked him on Twitter, it's like, well, where the fuck was this during the Braves? And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but the Reds do a better job of developing pitchers than the Braves do. They let you do, you know, figure shit out better. I don't know what the fuck he said. Anyway, but it brings up a point. With this rebuild that started with Cotty... And, 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 and I'm going to okay, you yeah, off. please. Let's make this a conversation. I feel like we're already getting to me and you just screaming at each other. Sure. So let's have a conversation about this. All right. But still talk loud. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> Copy. Well, with the, the, the rebuild that started with Copy and John Hart, the idea was to build the system, the minor league system, through pitching. Out of all the pitchers that we've had that were highly touted guys, the only ones that have found a modicum of success are Fulton Avich, and he's not even on the team right now, Freed and Soroka. I cannot think of another starter that has done jack shit with the multitude of pitchers that we picked, like dozens and dozens of prospects, it seems like. Sean Gil Martin was was a huge piece of the Justin Upton deal. Colby Allard. Sean Gil Martin no. wasn't a big we, piece. We of, drafted Sean Gil Martin. Whatever. Regardless <laughs> of Matt, who, Matt Whistler. Matt Whistler is the guy I'm thinking of. Thank you. But Matt Whistler, Sean Gil Martin, all these guys that we were building the system around are not here anymore, or they've sucked. And it brings to light, I think, a big issue this year with Colby Allard doing really well with Texas, with Lucas Sims doing really well with Cincinnati. What the fuck is going on with us developing pitchers? Because I think the proof is in the pudding. We only have two of those guys out of, like, 15 supposed top prospects that we picked up. And I'm pulling a number out of my ass there. But it just seemed like everyone was loving the starting pitching that we had in, in the minor league system. But we don't have much to show for that, Adam. So what the hell is the deal? Is it the development? Is it the guys? I mean, we might not be able to have an answer here, but I think regardless of how it happened, where we are right now isn't very good, and it speaks to a larger issue of the detriment of this team in terms of not having jack shit in the starting rotation other than Max Fried and Mike Soroka. Well, I think... Because, I'll say one more point. Sorry to cut please, you off. Please do, Graham. One more point is that when you're signing Felix Hernandez to be your fifth starter in the offseason, you got fucking problems. Well, he was competing for the fifth spot. But I'm just saying, when you sign him With to Kyle compete, Wright. that's bullshit, though. We shouldn't have to do that to rely on a guy who has sucked for the last three years of his career. That shows a lack of development of starting pitching within the minor league system. Well, like I said, we weren't going to rely on him. He was going to compete for the fifth spot in case getting out of the AL could help him out. But anyways. Um, but 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 doesn't that bring up an issue, though, when you're saying, oh, I don't know, he can compete for the... We don't have a fifth starter, even though we've signed or traded for all of these guys who are supposed to be, you know, hot shit, and yet all we got is Soroka and Freed. Doesn't that speak to that issue? Well, I agree that I also have concerns that we have development issues at this point. But also... They were very clear from the get-go, and I think you're forgetting this point, that the re- remember all these drafts when people are like, why are we taking more pictures? Pictures, we already have all these prospects. What are we doing? And they were very clear to point out 
that so many top pitching prospects don't pan out. That's why, Graham, I'm still leaning forward, you're leaning back. That's why uh, they draft so many. And also, I feel like you're missing a major point. Like you say, all we have is Soroka and Freed. We have two aces in Soroka and Freed. Like, I've seen people arguing Freed might even be better than Soroka with the way he's balling out this year. So that is not something to take for granted. Yes, the injuries have really killed us, and who would have thought that Mike fulton would just completely lose his shit thanks to his vegan diet that he's on now, and he lost all his strength. Um, so, yeah, there's been a lot of bad luck. Newcomb's a huge disappointment. Um, and it's not like Lucas Sims and Matt Whistler are killing it. They're both relievers. Um, Colby Allard, I don't think he's killing it either. But also, I would argue, we gave up too early on Colby Allard, which is why I feel like your hatred for Kyle Wright is very premature. The guy has, like, ten starts in the major leagues. And, like, this is the year for Kyle Wright to just keep running him out there. Like, I don't know what we have in Tukey. But Kyle Wright has the stuff. He just needs, like, do you remember Freed a couple years ago? When Freed couldn't throw strikes? Yes. <laughs> and, like, Freed's talked about it, how, like, he's just got this different mentality once he started pitching out of the bullpen and realized he has the stuff to get major leaguers out and he doesn't have to be too fine, which is what Kyle Wright is doing right now. He's trying to be too fine, hit the edges. He has the stuff to just attack and I think he will figure that out I still have a lot of faith in Kyle Wright and I guess it's fair not to give up on Kyle Wright at this point I mean considering that he's only played in 15 major league games and has only started eight of them since 2018 however I would like to see someone different at this point because he hasn't shown me dick I'm just saying he hasn't shown me like even with Max Freed even when he struggled it was like you saw that big sweeping curve. You saw the velocity. You saw his ability to jam hitters every once in a while. I haven't seen anything from Kyle Wright in any of those appearances to me that really gets me you know, moving. And also, Greb, I also question your ability to dissect a pitcher because you said the same thing about Colby Allard and that he has no stuff. It looked that. like he didn't have shit when he played with the Braves. That's well, all I'm saying. That's what you're saying about Kyle Would you rather not have Chris Martin? Because you don't have Chris Martin if you, if you keep Colby Allard. I'm fine with that, but I'm saying it's like, you made the same argument with Colby Allard that he has no good stuff, and now you're here talking about how he's doing well with I'm the I'm just Rangers. saying that he's doing well. It's also like these guys aren't finished products. They could flame out of the league in a couple of years. It just It's frustrating to see them have success in other organizations when they couldn't have any success with the Braves. Like Colby Allard was throwing fucking batting practice every time he pitched for the, like the big, the big league Because he had like three starts with us. It's silly. I'm just saying. Like it just... There was nothing about his stuff. No velocity, soft stuff, around the middle of the plate. He got killed. So you agree Kyle Wright has better stuff than Colby Allard? Kyle Wright has better stuff than Colby Allard, but I still haven't seen enough from Kyle Wright to... I mean, he's 24. It's not like it's, he's a finished uh, product by any stretch of the imagination. But it, And to support what you said, two potential aces in Soroka and Freed is pretty great. But when you build off of pitching... You make a rebuild off of pitching. And so many of those guys... It's like... But, like, to also counter your argument. Freed and Soroka are up here. You know, creme de la creme. Pitching their asses off. No one else has done anything. 
except uh, Fulte in his 2018 season and the last month of 2019. Like, when you consider everyone we've had, that's all you've got. It's just, it's just frustrating. And I was about to say, Ian Anderson can't come up here and pitch his ass off. And, and like I said, where's fucking Ian Anderson? Let's see the rest of these guys, man. Well, I, I, think, I think we should move on from this pitching prospect argument. But I will say, I agree. I would like to see Ian Anderson and Tucker Davidson. But you're acting like that means the end of Kyle Wright. And I will point out that we have four open starting pitching spots right now. So Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson, and Tucker Davidson, and Oscar Noah can all be in the rotation. You don't have to kick Kyle Wright out, who's also a young developing guy, in order to see Ian Anderson. I'll tell you one thing. If you have all those guys in the rotation, you might as well forget about having any chance of postseason success. You've got to make a move for at least one. Fuck, make a move for two starters. If you really want to compete for a World Series this year, you, you cannot rely on those four names who are unproven at the major league level and think you're going to have a fucking chance. Because you know what's going to happen, even if we make the playoffs, we're going to lose in the first round like we always do. And a lot of that's going to be due to our pitching, I think. But the offense hasn't been that, I mean, even though I know the offense has been good overall, it's still like the bottom of the order is a mystery. The whole season, and all the injury. I mean, this whole season is just so fucking weird, man. I, I just don't know what to even think anymore. I don't know how to analyze any of this bullshit. Well, Graham, think, think, think of it like this. We're first place team. In late August, doesn't matter when this season started. It's late August. We're in first place. We're missing two of our top three hitters. They're gonna come back, and yeah, we gotta figure out the starting rotation. But we have one of the best bullpens in baseball. So, would you rather have the best starting rotation in baseball with the bullpen we've seen in the past couple of years, or? Some things to figure out in the starting rotation with the best bullpen in baseball. Well, you have to consider that last year. Think of base, playoff baseball. I'm talking playoff baseball. Playoff baseball, I'd rather have the rotation and the bullpen we had last year than right now. So you had a healthy Mike Soroka, Max Freed. I don't like. I never liked Keuchel, but and Fulte was good down the stretch. I'd rather have that than what we got right now. But. The bullpen has been outstanding, even though I know Shane Green finally gave up a run and Matzik looked human last night, giving up, what, four runs when he came in. But, I mean, that's that's one appearance. I mean, you look at the body of work those guys have put together so far this season, they've been outstanding. So, but yeah, I'd rather have better starting pitching because the problem is, is like, now you got Josh Tomlin starting, which is fine, but I prefer him in one or two innings as opposed to working three or four innings because he doesn't have electric stuff. He throws strikes. He doesn't walk guys, but he is hittable. And the more times guys see him in the lineup, the better they're going to be able to time his shit and figure him out. At this point, we just appreciate a guy that keeps us in the game, though. Yes, he kept us in the game, but he's not a guy I want starting. Ideally. He's a guy you want to throw out there. Like The thing that also, I think, really helps Tomlin is when he follows a flamethrower. And guys are thrown off. I'm not taking anything away from Tomlin, but I'm just saying this also this helps him be more effective. Because when you're facing guys throwing in the upper 90s or mid 90s, and you got Tomlin coming in there throwing off your mojo completely, he executes his pitches really well. 
But when he starts leaving shit over the middle of the plate, he can get hit, and he got hit pretty decently last night. And he he still pitched well. I'm just saying, it's like he's not a guy I want facing a lineup, having a lineup facing him, you know, multiple times. He's a guy I want to use for an inning or two, and that's it. He's not cut out to be a starting pitcher. We'll see how that plays out. Um, let me throw two names at you, Graham, and get your thoughts. Dansby Swanson, Nick Markakis. You've had your opinions on them in the past. Based off what you've seen in this year, what are your thoughts? And, and let's just, yeah, no, just go ahead. I'll let you talk. No. I think Dansby could have gone into sort of the pit of despair when he started going through his little slump he had a week and a half ago, week ago-ish. But it's like when Acuna went on the DL, he just went ape shit. Now he's hitting over 300 again, hits the big walk-off win the other night. I still don't know what to think about him offensively because let's wait for this, wait for this uh, siren to go by. We got a, uh, let's see what we got here, folks. We got a big-time fire truck coming by. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Dansby has, has um, I think he's really busted his ass at the plate. I think he's not trying to do too much either. He's not trying to pull. You notice that home run he hit the other night to win the game was to center field. Um, so he's just going with the pitch. And you know what? If he's got to be your leadoff guy right now, that's fine. If he's got to hit in the two-hole when Acuna comes back, that's also fine. I think he's proven enough to this point. We're almost halfway through the season at this juncture. You know, he's hitting one or two for you. If Acuna's not here, he's hitting one. If he, if he is, he's hitting two. Um, but you can plug him anywhere and feel great about him. And, and you can't deny that Tansby's got, like, that clutch gene. He does. And um, he, he comes up big in those in those scenarios. And he also has come up big outside of those scenarios. And he continues to play stalwart defense. So I want to see him put together a complete season before I, you know, anoint him as, like, he's my boy. But I respect, because, like, think about think back to, what was it, 2018 when he came up, right, where everyone said he's the second coming. 16. Right, he comes up 2016. Turner kicked, Field, though. Right, 2016 Dan, he comes up, Field, but he kicked enough. ass, right? He hit over 300 when yeah, he came like up, a month or something. did really well. 2017 sucks. 2018 mostly sucks offensively, but plays great defense. I mean, you think about the journey this guy's been on. He was, in 2017 in particular, he was put everywhere. On the front of social media. In television ads. At the, on, on banners in front of SunTrust Park. A, an absurd amount of pressure was on this guy to be the face of the franchise. We already had the face of the franchise in Freddie Freeman. Um... So he could have, you know, really packed it in at that point and said, I don't know what the fuck I am. But he's continuing to bust his ass. He's still really young. He's still in his mid-20s. He could be a fucking stud. He already is a stud defensively. I think we have enough data to prove that he's uh, a great defensive shortstop. Can he be uh, that beast on offense that we need? I don't know. I don't know yet. But I am encouraged about what I have seen, his fight and his resolve, to become a more consistent hitter in the big leagues and learn how to go with pitches and learn to work counts as well. Um, so, 
Let's see what he can do in a full, actual 162-game season, hopefully next year. But I feel pretty good about Dansby. Nick Markakis, he is what he is. He's a solid hitter. He works the count. He doesn't give away at bats. He's a decent defender. He's been what he's been since 2014, since we since we got him. And what's wrong with that? Why do people look for something to bitch about with Nick Markakis? I think it's where, because... Where you see all these other people were plugging in the lineup, like... We win that game last night if we have Nick Markakis in instead of Matt Adams. Matt yeah. Adams goes over. Oh, you were the guy who wanted Matt Adams to be. I, the fucking... I was wrong about that. Right, okay. I was wrong I was about that. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be, I'll, I might have. Uh, granted, he just got off the IL. I think he's better than he was. But you know, Nick Markakis isn't going over five with four strikeouts. Like having a guy who doesn't strike out or puts the ball in play and is a doubles machine. There's nothing wrong with that. He's got as many doubles as Babe Ruth right now. Like, he has been a good damn brave, and he deserves the respect. Yeah, I'm not saying he's, like, a piece of trash or anything, but you were also the guy. I'm going to call you out again. You were the also the guy that, when he opted out, said, I'm not going to miss Nick Markakis in his .5 war every year. I was, what do you have to say to that? I was, I was wrong about that. I have no problem admitting when I was wrong about things, because I appreciate the hell of the guy right now, seeing what the other options were. You know, he, he plays a solid right field. Watch Marcelo Zuna out there. <laughs> he doesn't strike. I'm just so sick of strikeouts and, like, home run or strikeout. I'm sick of that shit, and I appreciate a guy that's going to put the ball in play. Like, the night he had his walk-off home run, he also hit a ground ball to the right side to advance a runner to third that ended up scoring, where a lot of guys don't do that anymore. So it, show the man respect. I'm sorry I ever talked down on you, Nick Markakis. I think what's even more impressive about Markakis is the job he's done coming back, right? He had no time to warm up. He's been pretty damn solid, like even more solid than he – I don't know if he's more solid than he usually is, but he's been his old self, if, if nothing less, you know? He's been the guy who's come in here and done some big things for the team and had multiple hit games – Done great things offensively and played solid defense. But he could have come in here and just shit the bed because he hasn't gotten any action in a while because he opted out. You know, he probably wasn't... Who knows what the fuck he was doing? You know what I mean? Like, he missed a lot of time. From not just, like, the summer training or whatever, but also beyond that, the regular season. So I think what he's doing is pretty goddamn incredible, especially at age 36. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, when he was batting the other night, I was like, man, I hated this guy. We're like a Philly. I feel like he would crush us. Uh, so I appreciate Mark Akis. Appreciate what Dansby's doing. I know we're missing some of our top guns, but still a first-place team. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any... I'm really excited to see Pache. Pache was penciled in the lineup tonight on August 19th, but the game has rained out, as we mentioned. Really excited to see him out in the outfield. I don't know if he's... I think he's going to play right, probably. He was starting at left, surprisingly. Left, okay, fine. But <laughs> let's talk about Marcelo Zuna's defense, Adam, which I will also admit maybe I was wrong <laughs> about that shit. Because just don't listen to anything we said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he has negative four defensive runs saved this year and only... How many games have he played? 25? That's disastrous. He's made three errors. <laughs> Uh, and his UZR, which is a sort of aggregate stat covering pretty much everything you can do defensively, is negative as well. 
compare that. It's like negative 7.5 or something like that in the outfield. Compare that to a guy like uh, Ronald Acuna is like plus 8. So he's been awful. He's had many misadventures in the outfield, uh, especially on that Trey Turner hit last night, where it was, which probably could have been held to a single or double at, at the most, turns into a triple because of Ozuna's uh, antics out there, like he was in a fucking Buster Keaton silent picture or something. I mean, it was, it was. He has been bad. He needs to be a DH full time, I think. Like it's, it's ugly. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, and he's only out there because we're missing Acuna. I feel good about a defensive outfield of Duvall, Acuna, Pache, slash Enciarte, but I, I, I don't know why he would have been in right field over Duvall last night. That makes no sense. Like, he, Ozuna has played left field the entire season. I think anybody that watches a single Braves game would know that Duvall is a lot better defender than Ozuna, and, like, I mean, that right field is just tougher to play at Truist Park. Like, that, does, that doesn't make any sense to me, and I think that kind of backfired on us a couple times. So uh, I guess that's criticism towards Snit coming from me, Graham. I was about to say, what, yeah, you're, you're, you're really criticizing your boy here. So I, I think this episode in this rainy night on a front porch with traffic driving by, more sound issues, it's about both of us <laughs> admitting our flaws and our analysis of this team. Um, I, I obviously still have more hope than you overall. I think once Acuna comes, if we can get a healthy Acuna, healthy Ozzy, I still feel good about this team offense without without those two guys. Like, we, we are putting up runs. Offensively, I'm not as concerned. Defense, I mean, uh, not defensively, but rotation-wise, you're absolutely screwed if you go up against Kershaw, Bueller, and Maeda. You're done. It's over. You got freed to contend with Kershaw, and that's it. You know, anyone that can compare those other two guys. Someone's got to step up. I don't know who at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there that it's going to be Noah. I think. Okay. You know what? He looks like Jair Jurgens when he was good. He, he just, like, he's the first young guy I've come up and just see pounding the strike zone with confidence. Like, he, I mean, he doesn't have the best, like, overall stuff of those guys, although his slider's pretty nasty. And. Just keep throwing this guy out there. I think he could be a solid rotational piece. Like, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be great, but I like what I see from the guy. He's not walking people. He's not scared. And that, like, I just have a lot more confidence in him than definitely Tuki, definitely Kyle Wright right now. Sean Newcomb obviously is gone. Um, it's just something different about the guy. So you just need one or two guys to step up. And you can get weird in the playoffs with the bullpen. Can we touch on a subject you brought up? Which was, where the fuck is Charlie Culberson? Yeah, please. So, <laughs> we know from when this happened, either last year, I can't remember if it was last year or 2018, but that Charlie Culberson is not an everyday guy. We get that. But can we use him more so than being a pinch hitter? I mean, he can play a better right field or left field than fucking Marcelo Zuna. Like, start him twice a week, three times a week, whatever. 
Like, I do not understand the underutilization of Charlie Culberson right now. I think Snickers being a total dumbass in that regard. Yeah, I mean, especially with all the positions that are open. Yeah, third base, we got two guys that are struggling to hit. Culberson can play there. Second base, we're missing Albies. Uh, he can play there. Right field, he can play. He can play center field. He can play left field. He's not, Graham, there's no pinch hitting. He's not even, he's got like four at-bats on the year. Four. So, and it, it doesn't make sense. Like, if if Matt Adams were tearing up, if Camargo were tearing it up, if Riley were tearing it up, if Hechevarria were tearing it up, I would understand it. But I feel like he's not getting he's not getting a shot. And, like, he had, like, one game where he came in and he laced a classic Charlie Culberson double to the left center field gap. Uh, I don't know if he's, like, done something, like, said something about Snit's kids or his wife. I don't know. There's some sort of weird blood there that, like, I feel like we'll see Culberson in September because that's kind of how it always goes. You don't see him at the beginning of the year, and then he pops up big. But it, it really doesn't make sense. And I mean, I don't think Dansby's gotten a day off all day. Culberson plays short. I mean, I guess Hechevarria at the end of the day is taking his his uh, playing time away, but Hechevarria hasn't done anything with the bat this year like he did last year. So it it, it I'm lost on that one as well. Well, we know Hechevarria is a great defender, a better defender than Culberson in the infield at least. But, yeah. It makes zero sense to me that Culberson cannot garner a start when Riley and Camargo have sucked at the plate the entire season. What in the fuck is going on with this traffic and with Brian Snicker's head in regard to Charlie Culberson? I actually think I can speak on Snicker there. He's trying to let Camargo and Riley swing out of it. Like, this is their chance. We're giving you the at-bats. You can't blame the lack of playing time. If you can't step up now, that's it. And I guess he just knows, come September, just plug Culberson in. That's my theory. But, yeah, it's frustrating. I, give the guy one start a week. That's all I'm asking for. One start. He used to get that Sunday start, Sunday afternoon game. Charlie Culberson's plugged in somewhere. Put him out there. Well said. I think that covers the Braves, Adam. I don't know if there's much else we need to really uh, go into here. But as a as a closer, let's talk about your boy Traffic. I mean, excuse me, your boy Vic Beasley. I read a funny article on the Falcoholic before you came over today. Feels like you've been here for about seven hours. Um, <laughs> where on the Peter King podcast, he apparently talked Peter King himself talked to someone in the Falcons organization and says that Vic Beasley wants to be a pastor and that he told the Falcons as much before they exercised that option on him last year, $12 million, $13 million option, whatever it was, that that was his ultimate goal was to be a pastor. And with that information, Thomas Dimitrov decides to bestow upon Vic Beasley $12.5 to $13.5 million, whatever it was. Um, just brings up more of the theory, perhaps, that you were discussing last week about, you know, maybe the not love for football is there, that he doesn't really give a shit. And that's not to say that he doesn't, but when he says, I want to be a pastor, and he says that to his team at the time, 
I don't think anyone else... Like, remember Pryor Jerry on um, Hard Knocks? Sucked his entire career. We drafted him like the first round from LSU. We thought he was going to be great. Didn't do shit. And he comes into Hard Knocks and says, I'm out. I I'm believe it was Mississippi or Mississippi State. Oh, whatever. We drafted him from the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was happy that we drafted an SEC player. And then at the beginning of Hard Knocks, he goes into either, I can't remember if it was TD's office or Mike Smith's office and said, I'm out. I'm done. Yep. Total bust of a pick. At least he had the, the you know, the temerity to come in there and say, I'm done. This is not where my head's at. And it explained, and it explained a lot about why he sucked. Whereas Vic Beasley, six years into his career, says, or five, whatever it is, so I want to be a pastor. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't like hate Vic Beasley, but it's just like, how is Thomas Dimitrov going to say, and apparently the response was, if you do well for the next few years, you can build the biggest church in the South. That shouldn't be your response. Your response should be, take a fucking walk and go become a pastor. Well, you, you can't say that to a man of the cloth, Graham. The cloth? Man of the cloth. What is that? Oh, talking about being a pastor? Yeah. He's not, though. He just wants to be. <laughs> it's not like he is. So what you're telling me, he's got a passion, but just not a passion for football. Yes. He's got a deep passion. But why would you, would, if someone came in, okay, so Adam, I want to use real-life example. Uh, well, some, let's not get too personal here, Graham. I'm going to get personal, but not that personal. Someone comes into your office, an employee, and says, you know what, I want to be a goddamn ballerina. But I want a... I wanted you to triple my salary. Which is pretty much what the Fal Falcons did. Because I think he was making like four-ish million dollars a year, five-ish million dollars a year. Roughly double, at least double the salary. Are you going to say, yeah, person, we're going to double your salary? I'd say no, but you can work here while you... Pursue your passion, but I'm not going to triple your salary. There you go. So why in the God's name would we exercise that option when clearly his head nor his heart is fully into it? Especially with a sport, which no you know, offense meant to your profession or my profession or anyone's profession, but the NFL requires ultimate dedication for you to be great and ultimate dedication beyond the call of duty to earn $12.5, 13000000 million a year. You know what I mean? No, yeah, it's silly. Yeah. Silly. Uh, makes sense about Vic, though. Uh, I mean, we, we, you can see he didn't have the drive for football. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, I blame Dabo Sweeney, who's a big man of uh, the cross himself. So maybe Dabo pushed him there. I don't know. Maybe Dabo knew all along, son, football's not for you. You should go in this direction. I don't know. This is all speculation, but uh, it's, it's just interesting. And Vic Beasley cannot escape us. He's a part of our story of Atlanta sports He's failure. He's part of this podcast too, for sure, yeah. for the rest of his life. Yeah, no, we we can't get away from Vic. We've got actual Falcons players we could talk about, like AJ Terrell, who's showing out in practice right now. We got another going, big pick. Going one-on-one -on -one against Julio, looking like a beast. Yeah, I got another big pick. I'm very excited about him. Our boy uh, Marlon Davidson, who I kind of forgot about because just COVID, you kind of forget about the draft. But I still love everything about this kid. Did you see his quote? No. 
So he's being asked about, I mean, he was just talking about how excited he was to be in pads again. They were just in pads this week for the first time, hitting somebody. And he says he respect his, respects his role as a rookie and that he's learning from people, but he also understands that he's still a leader. So even though he's only 20, 20, 21 years old, however old he is, he's like, I, I, you know, I came from big-time football school. I have things to teach people as well. So, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the Grady's out there. I'm going to listen to my coaches 100%. But if I see someone else that I have knowledge that can improve their technique, I'm going to tell them, even though I'm a rookie, I can still be a leader. So you just love everything about this kid. That's awesome. He's going to be a beast. I'm really excited about our D-line for the first time in years. With him, with Grady, Dante Fowler, like, we'll see about Tack. Tack's still there, but I don't know. It's just, I think that interior is going to be awesome. And this Davison kid's just got stud written all over him. Well, I love hearing that, and that's a very mature take on his end. So you had that opinion. And to want to come to the table with that because that also shows he's a good teammate. He's not being an asshole. He's trying to help others. Yeah. Which shows great selflessness when he could just be focused on what do I have to do to improve my game? He's thinking about well, what do I have to do to help people around me? So that says a lot about him. Who knows how that translates to the field or what's going on behind the scenes. But that's a great sentiment, and hopefully that will yield fruit this season. And you know what's crazy, Adam? Season starts on September 13th. We're right, right around the corner of the NFL. It doesn't feel like it, but, but we certainly are. Football is happening. We just need to wrap our mind around that. Like It's really just been the last week or two that I realized, okay, this thing's real. We know there's not going to be fans in the bends for September. But honestly, October, if you're, I know you're not going to be one of those guys. Nope. But if you're, they, they're going to go 20% capacity, 30% capacity, something like that. Like It's going to get real which is very exciting for a football fan to watch football on a Sunday. Well, I think what's really great is that the Falcons won't have to worry about um, you know, lack of crowd noise. Yeah, home field advantage means nothing to us. Yeah, because – and also it's great for going on the road to stadiums that actually can pack out. It neutralizes it. Right. There's really just – there's not a lot other than weather conditions. For example, like if you had to – you know, I think we'd go to Green Bay at some point this year. Other than the weather, who gives a shit, you know? Uh, you don't have to contend with that hostile crowd. So, Dan I'm all for keeping crowds out, out of the gun for multiple reasons, not just for the health, but for the benefit of the Falcons. Keep the crowds away from the NFL this year. Dan Quinn might be able to communicate better because it's not as loud sure. on the road. Maybe so. that's his problem. He's used to sort of the, the laid-back environment that Atlanta is, yeah. with the exception of your big primetime games. Um, at least in the bins recently, and or playoff games, and now he's going to be able to sort of have the ability to communicate better, not only at home but on the road. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting selfish. Like I, I, a couple months ago, I was like, just give me baseball, just give me baseball. But now I want it all. You want it all. I want it all. Sure. Call me Queen. Call me Freddie Mercury. I want it all, baby. I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, who doesn't want an NFL for Christ's sake? It's be such a game changer. Unless you're a loser. Yeah. I think so. that wraps up this rainy, noisy, another terrible sound episode. <laughs> I've really been pushing to get our sound better, but 
don't know. Maybe we'll get those COVID tests, the new COVID tests that are coming out, Graham. Oh, yeah. That'd be huge for us. Those rapid tests? Yeah. So we can just, like, take it, we know. Can stock up on that. Go into someone's house. Get in the house and... Do have, it old school. Have decent quality sound again. Yeah. Until then, though. We'll, we'll keep staying outside, and uh, this is a long rainstorm. I'll tell you what. Usually these storms during the summer just get in and out 30 minutes an hour. This thing's been going on for a while. Anyway, that wraps up today's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you're staying, stay, staying safe out there. Jesus, God. Uh, until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalism. Hospitalism. Uh, go United on Saturday. Maybe we'll discuss that next week, Graham. I didn't even realize they were playing again. Yep, at, at the Benz. Goodbye, Frank DeBoer. Buckets of tears Got all them buckets coming out of my ears Buckets of moonbeams in my hand You got all the love, honey, baby, I can stand Feel like smoke, friends will arrive, friends will disappear. If you want me, honey, baby, I'll be Can't you tell?